Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Good morning. I usually don't bring water up with me, but today's special because yesterday was special. I ended up with some dry lungs. I told the story already at previous service. It's still funny. Um, I have a bad habit. I'll just come clean about it. So when I when it comes to house renovations, I don't always I don't always approach them the right way. And yesterday was one of those days. So I, I got up in the morning and I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish off this drywall in my bathroom today. And and I'm one of those people that were like, I'm like, I have work clothes. I, I'm usually I have all the safety equipment, but I'm looking at this wall and I'm like, I see one spot in particular that's really bad. And I'm like, I'm just gonna sand that right now. So I take my sander out. And I'm sanding it, you know, dust a little bit. And I'm like, oh, it's okay. It's just a little dust because I'm, I'm not going to, I'm just going to stop and then walk away from this, right? Well, I didn't. And four hours later, I completed the circuit around the room and I looked at myself in the mirror and I was white. And I hadn't been wearing a mask and I could feel it in my lungs. And I was like, I could only, you know, my, my imagination, I had this like really vivid imagination. So like, like I sneeze and like this big wad of white comes out and I'm like, that's inside my lungs right now. Right now, the good news is my lungs are regenerative and they will kick that all that stuff out if I don't do this too often. But I'm the kind of person that's like, I don't care what clothes I'm wearing. It's like, if there's work in front of me, I'll just start doing it without thinking. And then I ruin the clothes and Allison will look at me and go, you have work clothes. Why? And I'd be like, oh, sorry. We're kind of like, everybody's kind of like that. You know, like they'll, they'll get into something. They, maybe they shouldn't be doing it quite the right way. And then they get carried away. And next thing you know, they're looking at themselves in the mirror going, what did I do? Oh, no. Let's just put it this way. I don't like hanging drywall or finishing drywall. I'd rather hang aluminum siding than drywall, let me tell you. If you ever hung aluminum siding, then you know what I'm talking about. All right. So we're going to be talking today about cleansing your temple, or specifically cleansing God's temple. Now, last time I was standing up here, I was talking about uh, tithing. And I was, the point I was trying to get across, it was probably lost, was when you tithe, you sanctify your finances. And you sanctify certain areas of your life as it pertains to finances. Sanctification is a huge topic, and it's one that I think is really important. And so when we're talking about cleansing God's temple, we're going to look today at how you were the temple of God. And to understand it, we have to go way back to the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, when God created the heavens and the earth, he created the heavens. And if you've read your Bible a little bit, you kind of come to the understanding that there's a realm of the spirit called heaven. It's the third one. And God abides there. And we read about God's throne room. Have anybody here ever read about God's throne room? I see head nods. I want to see hands so I have an idea of my statistics. Okay, so good. So God's throne room in heaven is pretty impressive. If you've read about it, usually people that end up there end up on their face and they're like dead because the the presence of God in that place is weighty. The glory of God is weighty. Like even this, the 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 angels there that circle around about and they have those roll like they they cover their face, right, out of respect and reverence and fear of God. So when God created the heavens and the earth. He abides in this spirit realm called heaven, but he wasn't satisfied to stay there. So next, God creates mankind, man and woman. And he created us to be a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. 
Now, the reason God created you with the spirit part is because God needed a means of interaction with you. See, God is spirit, right? And so he needed us to have a spirit. But why? Because I don't know how to quite to explain this to you, but God wanted to associate himself with us. It doesn't make sense to me even right now when I'm thinking about it. I read scripture and I'm like, here is the weight of God's glory, the creator of everything, immortal, God. No one can approach him. There's none like him. And yet he chose to create you so that he could have relationship with you. And not just have relationship with you, but by giving you a spirit, he literally gives you the material, the stuff that heaven is made from that he's made from so that he can't just, he doesn't just want to have a relationship with you. He wants to abide in you in the same way that God abides in the throne room with all its glory. He wants to abide in you. And that's how he made us. When Adam and Eve chose to sin, that was cut off. The Bible says that sin, we became spiritually dead the ability for God to inhabit us was severed. When, when Adam chose, when we chose, when you chose to serve Satan and make Satan your Lord in that service, mankind was cut off from God. And because of the act of our free will, not only was, were we cut off from God, but God was cut off from us. It was a two-way street. Like it was terrible. We were cut off from God, but it was terrible for God too. God was just severed off from his relationship with us because of our choice, our free will, and God will not transgress it. And so God had a plan. God's like, okay, I have two plans. I have my long-term plan in Christ. I'm going to restore people's spirit. I'm going to bring life back. But he had a short-term plan too, and that short-term plan was called the temple. Until Christ came, God used the temple to abide as close as he possibly could to people without the weight of his glory destroying us. And God's desire was so great for this, as, to get as closest to us as he possibly could with the temple, it was because of his love. Now, God doesn't need anything. He is complete in and of himself. But his love and his Godhead, his characteristics compel him and create within him a desire for relationship. And so God looks throughout the earth and he's saying, who can I have a relationship with? Who can I abide with? And we go to Exodus 25. Exodus 25, verse eight and nine. It says, his short-term game plan is, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. What a statement. So here, mankind decides to Betray God, and for all intents and purposes, right? Their creator says, no, I'm going to serve Satan. I'm going to serve my own interests. I'm going to deny God. And then by an act of free will, they cut God's relationship off, right? God created mankind to inhabit them, and man chose to cut that off. And then, so God's not done, though, and he says, okay, what am I going to do? Let them make a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. He, like, he can't wait for the cross, he wants now. He's like, I need to be with my people. I love them. According to all I show you, after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall you make it. So the tabernacle was patterned after heaven, 
Okay, so where God dwells in the throne room of God, that was copied as best it can be, drafted, and was built as the tabernacle or the temple. Interchangeable. Okay? And so God recreated what was in heaven in the temple. And the reason he did that was because your temple was out of commission. Your temple was out of service. He was forced to extreme measures, as it were. Right? He couldn't be where he was intended to be, so he had to do a stopgap measure in the meantime. So God gives the, panel, the, the pattern for the temple in Israel. Pattern after heaven. And God's plan from the beginning, of course, is to restore the temple of our person through Christ. Right? But in the meantime, while God is working this plan, he needs to create or have created his own place to get as close to the people as he can without destroying them. And so the He's in the temple, the Holy of Holies. If you study the temple at all, you'll know what I'm talking about. There was a thick veil, and it was to separate him from the people that he loved so much, but it was as close as he could get. And it was also to remind the people, I'm here. I love you. I'm working on your behalf. Psalms 14.2 exemplifies the concept that God had to work, do all the work in this respect of creating the temple and sending Christ. Because Psalms 14.2 says, The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that understood and seek God. And you know what he found? They were all gone aside. They were all together filthy, and none did good. No, not one. Even the prophets. No, not one. Now, don't throw anything at me. But the prophets were men used by God, but yet they were still in a state where God couldn't fully inhabit them. Right? They were anointed, but God couldn't fully inhabit them like he had intended. And so God had to do something. And so God restored the way back to fellowship through Christ because his desire has never changed. So Christ died on the cross, not just to make sure you can go to heaven, although that's nice, It was because God had designed creation so that you would be his temple that he would dwell in and have relationship with. And God is worthy of it. And so he sends his son to die on the cross to restore that. And anybody by an act of free will who chooses the opposite of what was originally chosen and repents becomes spiritually reborn. Your spirit becomes alive to God again, and your spirit is then able to hold or bear up under the glory of God. So now, if you don't know who Jesus is as your personal savior, so we're just going to stop here for a second and tread water, okay? If you don't know who Jesus is, if you've never repented and put your faith in Christ, then the rest of this message is not going to make any sense to you, and it won't apply to you. Because unless you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you, unless you've submitted yourself to his lordship, you are not the temple. You are still cut off. You are still spiritually um, dead. And the Bible says that in order to become born again, you must repent and put Christ on the throne of your heart. You must submit yourself to that. And sometimes people can grow up in church and they figure that if they get enough stamps on their church card, they can hand it in for a free pass to heaven. And it doesn't work that way, all right? Heaven doesn't run a subway card program. Sorry. 
I didn't know if you knew that. I just want to make that perfectly transparent. <laughs> but God, God, the way to salvation is simply you repent. And repentance, everybody has to repent. You can't be in church your whole life and just figure, well, I've, I've inherited salvation through osmosis. It doesn't work that way. Repentance is required. And repentance is simply this. God, you're right. I'm wrong. Your ways are perfect. Mine are flawed. I'm going to do things your way because there is no other way. And I'm giving up. Okay? That's salvation. If you haven't done that before, or if you don't think you've done that, put your pride aside. Find room for grace and repent. God is ready and willing and able. But those of you that have put Christ as has made Christ their personal savior, something incredible has taken place. First Corinthians 619 and verse 20. This is, I, I like reading this scripture verse or scripture verses structured like this. So it says, What? Know ye not that the body, okay, so when you're having a conversation with someone, right, and you're talking about a very well-known topic, like, like, I don't know, like water, okay, something really, really, really simple, and you're having a conversation about water, and you're like, yeah, I love going swimming. That person's like, what? Swimming? What are you talking about? And you would look at them, and you would say, what? You don't know that you could go swimming in water? It's more than just drinking. Right? In the same way, scripture here is saying, what? Know ye not that the bo- your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Did you know that you, if you know Christ, that you are the temple? You are the spiritual temple of God, the way God had intended, that you are not your own? Did you know that? For you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, spirit here, I will interject. The word spirit here is translated in the original Greek. It can mean either spirit, that part of you that God created spirit, or it can translate to soul, depending on its context in the scripture. And in this context, it is specifically speaking to your soul, your your body and your soul. So it's your soul realm, your mind, will, and emotions. And so... You were instructed to glorify God in our body, our body, and in our soul. Now, why would scripture instruct us to glorify God as if we need that instruction? And, but we do. You see, Christ did a full and complete work on the cross in your spirit. You're reborn. Job done. Drywall's finished. Right? He, went, he did all the mess. It's done. He, he finished the work. You can't add or take away from that in any respect. It's not dependent on you, and it's not dependent on you, right? Our righteousness, our right standing with God is in Christ Jesus. We are spirit, our spiritually, we're righteous, okay? I can't, I can't overemphasize this, but our body and our soul, our mind, will, and emotions are not righteous, which is why we're commanded to renew them. I love old video games. <laughs> now, God still wants to abide in us like he does in the throne room of heaven. Now, if you can grab this, like if you've studied, make it a point. If you haven't done it, study the throne room seems of God in the Bible. Okay, they're in the Old Testament. There's some in the New Testament too, like in Revelations. 
it blows me away every time I read it because my mind can't wrap around the concept that an infinite God, you know, like even though he abides in heaven, he's everywhere, right? Because he's omnipresent. But yet the potency of his glory wants to abide in us as the temple. Like I have a hard time wrapping my mind around this. And that God wants to actually do this in you individually, right? Hebrews 9.11. When we ask the Lord as our personal Savior, here's what happens. We're the temple, keep in mind. But Christ being come a high, has become a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is to say, not of this building. Christ, God's intention is for you to be a temple of the living God with Christ as this high priest serving within it, parked within it. We're going to look more at the structure of the temple later to understand better what that looks like. So situationally, we're righteous with Christ, but we're still commanded to be holy. Now, in the temple, they had to um, ritualistically, or like there was a, there were requirements to cleanse everything in the temple that was used, right? You're under, are you familiar with the concept of cleansing in the temple? Have you ever read about it at all? Looking for head nods or hallelujahs or whatever. Okay. So, hey, there you go. Okay. So in the temple, ritualistically, you couldn't use something in the temple if it was considered unclean. So you would cleanse it. And that cleansing could take different, could be done different ways. And we don't have time to get into that study. But the point is, is that you made the priests that served in the temple went out of their way to make sure that everything that was within the temple was cleansed and sanctified and ready to go. That was their job. 100% of the time. There was no days off, right? Take no breaks. Like it was, it was like, this is what you do. And we cannot be righteous through our our own efforts because Christ is in the work. However, we can cleanse ourselves and we can cleanse our temples and we're obligated to do it. First Peter 1.15 to 17 says, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Now, conversation, stop. Conversation is a very superficial part of our existence. Or so, you know, most of the time it is. So we just, I'm, I'm doing it right now. I'm talking. Okay? But we're supposed to be holy in all conversation because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. So that's an order. That's a marching order. Right? We're commanded by God himself to be holy, to be cleansed, to be sanctified, because you're a temple. And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. Now, this helps to maybe for you to understand that even though we're saved by grace and Christ is our righteousness and he's done a complete work, there are still works that we need to do and we're commanded to do, and those works will be judged. God will assess them at the end of time when we stand before him we will be judged according to our works to see of what sort they are. You're familiar with that scripture, I hope. And that's why the Bible talks about works being judged, refined in the fire, rewards, and all that stuff. Okay, salvation is the gift, but we still have work to do in cleansing our temple. So then our role becomes this. Our role 
is bringing glory to God and to Christ, not in redeeming our spirit, because Christ has done that, but in cleansing our temple. So how we relate to God is in cleansing ourselves, walking holy. So the temple provides a basic outline of what this looks like. So we're going to jump over to that. Did it happen, Alex? No? That's okay. I was trying to bring up a picture that was really easy to look at, and it just the computer was like, nope, not happening. I don't know why. I didn't have a conversation with it long enough to find out. So the temple provides us with a basic design. So the temple um, had three basic components. It had the outer court, an inner court, and the Holy of Holies. Now, the Holy of Holies also had a sub-area right in front of it, like a vestibule entrance to the Holy of Holies that was called the Holy Place. All right, but it was tied in with the Holy of Holies area. Now, the outer court, in, in biblical times, the outer court was for everyone. So if you were, it didn't matter who you were. If you were a Gentile, if you were sick, if you were somebody who had never heard about God or never heard of Israel and you're passing through and you heard about this thing that everybody does all on the Sabbaths and, and there's this ongoing cool thing called the, ta- the, the, it's like a tour spot. You could just pop into the outer court and go, huh, interesting. And you could look around and in the outer court, there's all kinds of activities. Animals were sold. Money was exchanged. People did business, right? People buy animals for sacrifices further in, which we're going to get to. Uh, People would stand there, regardless of their physical, spiritual state. Anybody could come into the outer court and worship God. They come in there and sing and praise and worship God. That was the outer court. Now, the outer court is a parallel, because if we're the temple, keep in mind, the outer court is a picture of your body. Okay. You interact with this world. Anybody can walk up and talk to you. Right? Everything's just kind of open. It's just, it's just there. It's not closed off. You can see it. We're having a conversation right now. Right? See images all the time. And it's your main tool of interaction. This is why the Bible says that we're to be holy in our conversation. This is how, so how do we cleanse our outer court? Well, it gets dirty every day. Right? If we're talking the body, right? Like I was filthy, drywalling, like head to toe white, right? But on a spiritual level, you get dirty too. The Bible says that we're supposed to wash each other's feet because this is symbolic for just day to day. I'm walking through a fallen world and picking up on dirt, right? There was a thought I didn't dismiss fast enough. You know, there was something I allowed to fester in my heart for a moment before I dealt with it. It's just a very superficial, just like, oh, I need someone to cleanse my feet. And so as a Christian with our outer courts, this is where we can go to each other and just be kind of like, hey, I noticed, I, I noticed you, you use the F word a lot. And I'm just wondering, did you know the Bible says you're not supposed to do that? It's supposed to be holy in all conversation. Now, I know it's a cultural thing, blah, blah, blah. But most people are offended by that. So culturally, it's offensive. And therefore, you're not set apart and different than the rest of them. Right? So if you ever want to justify bad behavior, or, sorry, bad language, it's not that the Bible specifically says those words and says don't say these ones because there's a lot of different languages, but we're supposed to be holy in conversation. So we're not supposed to be like the rest, set apart, different. Right? And so we can go in love to a brother or sister and say, hey, I noticed about this in your outer court, your outer conduct, right? We should probably fix that. Now, if the temple was designed to let everybody into it 
on the outer court to get kind of a picture of what God was about in the old days. That's called outreach. And so you as a person, if your outer court isn't exhibiting holiness, then people that come across or just, you know, come by your holy court and say, what's going on? How are you doing? If they don't sense the presence of God, if it doesn't look holy, then they're not going to pick up that there's a God present. There's no outreach. In the temple in the Old Testament, if that outer court was just in chaos, people wouldn't detect that there was anything different with this God than any other God. And this is why Jesus was so upset that he came in with a whip that he had made and said, get out, everyone. You're making my father's house into a den of thieves. It wasn't like there was always money changers and stuff going on there. But what was wrong? It was because it was dishonest. People were coming in from all over the world looking at this and saying, there's no difference here than anywhere else I've been. This is just like the rest. That's nice that they have their God. There's no power here. And they move on. Jesus was like, no. Get out. And that means for you and I, we need to be holy in our conduct as well. And money changers, selling and exchanging, they were thieves, right? Are we honest in business? Are we honest on our taxes? Are we honest with our neighbors? Are we honest with other people? Are we conducting ourselves in a way on the outside of our outer courts in such a way that people look at us and say, that's, that's not normal. They had a perfect opportunity here and they didn't take it. Why? I would have, right? And then we move to the inner court. The inner court in the tabernacle that was made, that God is using to teach us a lesson here, the inner court was set aside for just people that were offering sacrifices and for the priests. So if I was a priest, I didn't spend a lot of time in the outer court. I was in the inner court. That's where my ministry was. And so I was in there working, working, working. And if I was somebody who wanted to approach the presence of God, then I would bring in my sacrifice to the inner court and the priest would offer it on my behalf. And I would stand there and the only thing I could do was silence, respectful silence, because the priest is doing something important and the presence of God is there. And then when you're done, you leave, right? And they would cleanse themselves before they went in. And so for the Christian, who are we are the temple of God, the presence of God, for ours, our inner court, that's our soul. How we think, what emotions we allow to reign over us, what we allow to, our, to flit across and dwell in our minds, what we think about, right? Our habits, our actual conduct, like, the source of conduct that manifests itself in the outer court, right? So like what you think, what, what you say, how you think, that will ultimately translate to uh, an outer court or a bodily action. So the soul realm is important. The inner court's important. We are commanded to be holy there as well. The Bible doesn't say for no reason, don't be unequally yoked. Because when we yoke ourselves with something, we become, we go up beside it on a soulish realm level. Your friends, you are emotionally connected with them. That's a soul realm. And if we're making connections that are not holy, then how can we ever expect our actions and how we live our lives to be holy? Right? And so the priest would offer sacrifices and the person being ministered to would stand in silence. Did you know the Bible says that you are a priest unto God? 
altogether under our high priest, right? Who is Christ. And so you operate, when you're born again, you have the opportunity and ability to operate as a priest for other people. So when people come and they look at you and they go, you didn't do that right or different, you're not like the rest. That's called holiness, right? And then they may come into a little bit of emotional engagement and click, I need some ministry here. What's going on? And then as a priest, you can start washing them in the word of God, right? Cleansing them. Here's what God says. Here's how God thinks. Here's what God looks at and thinks about you, right? And you start ministering. And we can minister to each other too, brothers and sisters in the church. We can say, look, it's not a matter of what you're saying and you're swearing. That's all wrapped up. You've got that. You've been in the church 20 years. You've got some good habits going on. That's good for you. But I noticed that there's this area in your heart that is a little twisted. There seems to be some anger there. And that anger is called iniquity, and it just festers and festers and festers. I want to cleanse and sanctify you as a priest, because you're my fellow priest. Let's come in together and get this done, right? And why are we doing it? To glorify God. Because that's the point of the temple. It's to glorify God. Be a good temple. Glorify God, right? That's the point. And then we have the Holy of Holies. Now, the Holy Holies, like I said before, also has a place called the, the Holy Place. It's like a little vestibule, if you would, as you enter into the actual Holy of Holies. Now, the Holy of Holies was a room closed off, three walls, and a very thick curtain. I think we established previous message, this one before, that it was eight inches thick, thereabouts, hand width thick. Now, it's a big, thick curtain. Now, when Christ died on the cross, that curtain was torn in half. And it wasn't just torn in half. I mean, the Bible says there was an earthquake and like, things were torn apart. It was like, it was like the, the curtain was torn and like thrown aside. Now, if you've ever seen one of your kids who was really, really, really excited to see somebody and they go running out the door, right? And you're like, oh, your uh, friend's here. And they're like, they're gone, right? And they open the front door of the house and they, you know, they may or may not close it and they're just gone. And you're like, close the door. They're done. They're gone, right? They're super excited. And so when Christ died on the cross, the moment you accept Christ as your personal savior, God runs out the door of that holy of holies into your life like a kid who hasn't seen their best friend in forever, all right? And you don't want to get between him and you, because he will bowl you over. Like, he would just get out of my way, right? So when God tore the veil, he didn't just tear it. He threw it aside. There was nothing in the way, and God came running for you because that was his objective. This is what, this is what he wanted, right? Because he loves you. So here's the Holy of Holies. And in your temple, there is no curtain, right? So your Holy of Holies is wide open. That's why the Bible says we can come boldly before the throne of God into the presence of God because there's nothing separating us. So as a priest, when you're ministering in your temple, yourself, this is so cool. All right. You minister to others and you minister to God. And so priests, all priests were able to enter into the holy place just outside of the holy of the throne. They weren't allowed to go in though because that area was reserved strictly for the presence of God and the high priest. Who's our high priest? Oh, cool. So wait, 
Jesus is our high priest living inside of us in our center of our temple. We're the temple. We're priests ministering in the temple. Whoa, hold on. Okay, so God creates the world. Back to the beginning. Okay, God creates the world, creates everything. Creates a, starts with the heavens and the earth where he's abiding in a sense, right? Spirit realm. And then establishes everything in physical creation on the spiritual. Gives you a spirit and a body and a soul so you can both interact with him on a spiritual level but also live in the physical at the same time. So he crafted you to function and live and move in every respect of creation. And then his original design is to bring his fullness of glory and rest in you individually and yet everywhere at the same time. Okay, so if you're a Christian here and you haven't fully grasped this concept, it's, it's mind-blowing. Like for me, it's mind-blowing. So we are pre- as priests, we have a responsibility to cleanse our temple. Get back to the point. If you aren't cleansing your temple, then you're missing out on the glory of God in your life. You are spiritually reborn, and nothing can change that. But if you're not making yourself holy, if you're not sanctifying yourself in what you say, your outer court, how you conduct yourself, and how you think, and how you feel, and submitting that all to the glory of God, if you're not doing that, then how can you stand back and say, where is God? Right? It's not fair. Because God literally torn the veil open and went charging out of him and says, let's do this, right? And we're sitting there going, maybe, You're m- maybe, maybe. But I think my outer court, my inner court areas, there's some areas that I have reserved for me, you're not allowed in, or I'm not going to submit to you. And it's just like, how can we do that? How can we sit back and then expect God to somehow you know, like, well, God's God. He can do what he wants. Um, actually, he can't. You have free will. If God did what he wants because he's God, it wouldn't have mattered that you sinned. He would have, despite your free will, he would have inhabited you anyways and forced you into compliance. It did something radically different than I don't even know what it would look like. But God won't transgress that. And God is sitting here in your heart right now, if you're born again, saying, please, Cleanse your temple, not because he's disgusted, but because he loves you and he wants more of his glory to be able to abide in you. It's for your glory. It's for your benefit and his glory. It's symbiotic, symbiotic, right? We do all things to the glory of God and we reap benefits for it. Okay, I'm going to close it up. So we're going to have two altar calls this morning. All right, first one if you don't know the Lord as your personal savior, you can do that this morning. Actually, you can do it anytime. Full disclosure. You don't need me to lead you through it. It's one of those God to you personal things where the Holy Spirit gets involved. I'd actually have no, no role in that whatsoever. God's awesome that way. He made it really, really simple for you to reach out and call to him. All those who call out on the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. All right, and then the other altar call is going to be one of, I recognize that my temple is a little bit in the shambles, and that right now, if somebody would randomly walk up to it and stand in my outer court, they'd be like, yeah, nothing to see here, and move on, right? 
Or if you feel like you've got that and people are coming to you and going, oh, you live so different. And then you're sitting there thinking to myself or to yourself, yeah, but I got nothing. Like, I, I don't know. I, I got nothing. There's no, I read in the Bible about this fountain of living water bubbling up within me and I don't know what that means. Then your inner core is not holy. And it needs to be holy. And you can make it holy quite simply through repentance. It's the same process when you got born again. You just say, God, you're right. I'm wrong. This is wrong in my life. I surrender it. Done. And then you walk in obedience. See, before we came to know the Lord, we were trapped by sin. We were slaves. We didn't have a choice, but to it was wrong. It'd be like me walking up to the drywall and saying to myself, I shouldn't stand this without a mask, and I shouldn't stand this in these clothes. And then my arm just, right? Over and over and over and over again. And I had no say in it, but I do. I just didn't take the second to stop and say, hold on, I shouldn't be doing this. Same way, it's the same thing with you. You know, you're out in the world, you're doing things, and you're just like, I shouldn't be doing this. And so then you practice not doing it. Nope, discipline. I got to go do it this way. This is the right way. But if you're a slave to sin, right? Every time. And so if you find that your inner cord is in shambles, it's just simply because you haven't practiced the discipline of being holy. You haven't taken the time to go get your mask on and to change your clothes and to do things the right way because you're too busy. And I don't have time for that. I just got to get this done. This world is not our home. Okay. So I'm going to close out with some prayer. And then if you want prayer for either one of these things, salvation or cleansing, there's leadership here. Come on up. Grab us, pull us into a dark corner so nobody sees because you're embarrassed. Whatever. (laughs) Help. And then we'll pray because priests pray for each other. Right? It doesn't mean you're not a priest. It just means... You're a priest that needs a little cleansing. All right. Lord, we thank you that you are a good God who couldn't wait to tear open a veil to get to us. And and you couldn't wait that long, so you built the tabernacle and the temple, and you were just like, I want to get as close to them as I can without without them being destroyed by my presence because they can't handle the weight of my glory. But now, Lord, we're in a position where that is not the case. Positionally, Lord... Most people, I'm sure, in this room are in a position where we can bear the weight of your glory, but we're deluded and deceived into not. So I just ask that you would give each person here preservation of mind. Holy Spirits, revive their conscience afresh. Soften the seared parts of their heart that has gotten hard and remind us that there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end isn't what we want it to be. And that we need to take the time to wait on the Lord. Priests waited on you, Lord God, in the, in the temple. And Father, we are priests in our temple. May we wait on you. May we stare with eyes towards the holy of holies and come boldly before your throne and say, I'm here to change the candles in, the, in this candlesticks, to put new bread on the table. Here I am, Lord. I submit. We thank you, Lord God, for your goodness and your grace, your grace and your ability to even have this discussion in the name of Jesus. Amen. So last service.
There was an extra little thing I attached to the end and I forgot to do this time. Um, really quick, because you are the tabernacle, including your physical body, not everybody's really overly impressed with their physical body. Some people are just like, God, why'd you make me this way? It must have been a mistake. I don't like it. And even to the point of where, like, I can't wait for my glorified body, so this one doesn't matter. But remember that God created you as a temple to include your body. Okay? And if God created it that, like, if God has created you, he holds it in the highest regard, and it is a part of the temple. The Holy of Holies may be at the center, but your body is still a part of the whole. And God, like, God wants you to accept and be able to look at yourself and say, God, I'm okay with how you made me. I'm going to try to improve it if it needs improving because that's my responsibility. I'm going to be holy. But I'm content with that as well, right? Because the enemy will come right in and try to bring condemnation to you and say, yeah, well, God gave some people a better temple than you did. And that's a lie. Amen. Good word. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.